0: Warning, this issue of Nil Desperandum is rated R for adult content, adult situations, strong language, and possible intellectual stimulation. Listener discretion is advised. Nil Desperandum 4, An Occidental Book of the Dead, by J. Michael Shell. This is part two of a three-part story. If you have not yet listened to part one, please go back and do so before continuing. Trust me, you do not want to try and jump into this one in the middle. An Occidental Book of the Dead by J. Michael Shell. Part 2, Eloquently Incomprehensible He wasn't sure if his feet were quite touching that so green grass. Aimed straight and grim, Malcolm was stretching whatever sinew it was he wore to put distance, rapidly, between himself and Amine's forest. He was aware at a gut level. No, at a molecular level, a subatomic level. Of how close he'd come to being swallowed in there. He didn't even dare think of Emine. One glimpse of her in his thoughts could stop him in his tracks with a vicious longing. He could not survive another encounter with her. There would be no resting in the grass. He was trying his best not to even think. Too many parallels and synchronicities had unfolded since he'd arrived. Names and flowers and seeds that were sown. It seemed he himself was somehow helping to shape his encounters. Perhaps this really was still his dream. One thing was certain. Only his own mind could have conjured a beauty as irresistible to itself as Emine. His proximity to her glamour and the death grip it had on him shocked him like ancient voltage. It jolted his mind and kept him moving straight and fast and away. Time wasn't counting anymore as Malcolm marched. Decades or millennia might have passed, or his body could still have been lying in his bed, fresh and barely deceased. There was just no telling. So he walked on, never slowing, moving compass needle straight. Nothing changed as Malcolm walked. Grass was before him, around him, and behind him, though he never so much as glanced back over his shoulder. The enormity of the field through which he strode would have overwhelmed him if he'd been allowing thoughts to think in his mind. He just continued to walk, and would continue. Walking was what he had, walking, and very green grass. Then he thought, oh yes, and I still have my youth. That stopped him. It stopped him because he realized how incredibly, and dangerously, funny that was. He stopped and he started to laugh. He laughed so hard that he fell down into the grass he'd been walking over. It felt good to laugh, and he indulged himself, he hawing and guffawing until his eyes were blurred with tears. When, finally, that laughing spell ended, Malcolm sat up in the grass and looked around. All he could see was a blur from those tears. As he wiped them away, a voice very near him said, If I'm Peter Pan, does that make you Hook or Wendy? For some reason, that struck Malcolm and his soul as extremely funny, and they both started laughing again. Where have you been? Malcolm managed to ask through his laughter. In the fog, his soul replied, which caused them to laugh more hysterically. By the time Mel managed to stop laughing and stand up, his eyes were flooded with tears again. His soul came over to him and wiped them away. Please don't do that again, Malcolm said. Do what? his soul asked. Leave me like that. You have no idea what I've been through. I never left you. I've been right here laughing in the fog. So have you. No, I wasn't. I was... You were laughing in the fog, his soul insisted in a serious and pointed tone. And if you've been daydreaming again, I don't want to hear about it. And neither do you. No more excursions. Let's just see if we can stroll on out of here before you fog things up again, okay? Malcolm had questions. But he shut up and joined his soul walking again. For the most part, he kept his thoughts to a minimum. But at one point, the grass became a yellow brick road and a bright green city shone in the distance. His soul gave him a look and he shook that thought out of his head until all was grassy green plain again. Finally they stopped when they came to a rickety old fence. The faded, whitewashed pickets of the fence stretched both ways as far as Mal could see. It was a short little barrier, not quite a meter tall, unbroken by gate or opening. What do we do now? Malcolm asked his soul. You're kidding, right? his soul replied. After chuckling a bit, it finally said, Step over it. Malcolm hopped the fence and his soul jumped over with him. Where are we now? Mal asked. Well, we're on the other side of this fence. But you need to stop thinking in such terms. Where doesn't have the same meaning as it did there, any more than there has the same meaning now that we're here. What? When we were on the other side of the fence, you asked, how do we get out of here? How did you like the answer? What answer? Everything that happened to you on the other side of the fence was an answer to that question. The black and white man, the flowers, Emine. I couldn't tell you till we hopped the fence because I was afraid it would get you started again. So you're saying we're somewhere else now that we've crossed over this fence? There you go again, said his soul. where involves time now and time only exists relatively speaking this isn't a different place it's a different being is this beyond mal asked well it's beyond there and that side of the fence but once we entered it it ceased to be beyond now it is here which is where you have actually always been Well, I hate to say it, but it looks pretty much the same on this side of the fence as it does on that side. Oh no, his soul replied. The grass is much greener over here. I don't know whether to laugh or cry, Malcolm said. That's good. Maybe you're starting to understand, his soul smiled.
1: You know, Malcolm,
0: you really put yourself through hell back there. When you kept our appointment, I thought you might be able to avoid that. Do most people avoid that when they die? No, his soul answered. Most people go there pretty much immediately, and most are curled up in oblivion before Blackie and Whitey get through with them. Nobody gets past her. But I did, Malcolm said. Well, sort of, his soul told him. What do you mean, sort of? If you were completely past her, we wouldn't still have such a long way to go. "'Let me ask you something,' Malcolm said, grabbing his soul by the arm and stopping it. "'Does anybody avoid that?' "'Yes, very few have,' his soul answered. "'How did they do it?' They kept going straight up. Malcolm and his soul walked and talked for quite some time until Malcolm noticed that the twilight it had been since he'd arrived was beginning to deepen into night. The sky, which had been uniformly gray, was turning black and studded with stars." It's getting dark, Mal said to his soul. Yes, we've made it to the crossroads. You can get off now if you like and take any road you choose. I don't see any roads, Malcolm said. The stars are roads leading to their little heavens. How would I know which one to choose? Whichever one you choose will be the same for you as any other. Once you choose it, it's yours. Or you can keep going. Keep going where? Mal asked. Where is there to go? If you keep going straight, you'll be here. You'll have come from here, and you'll arrive here. With just a little stretch of thought, you might discover the extent of here and be able to encompass vast tracts of it all at once. When you were there, here was like a moment, and the moment like a sphere. Your motion on the moment was what you called time. Let's get back to the little heavens. Malcolm interrupted, shaking his head. Having made it this far, but not all the way, you have access to all those heavens, his soul explained, pointing to the stars. Are they nice? Malcolm asked. His soul laughed. Are they nice? They're heavens. Anything you want, anything you desire, ceaseless ecstasy, joy of mind and spirit, for as long as you can keep it up. You'll love it there for a very long while. But eventually it will wear thin. Its repertoire of pleasure and intellect will diminish for you, and at some point you will go to her, willingly, and end up back there, gripping that bone again. Ceaseless ecstasy, huh? Pretty much. But eventually I end up with Amine. That's the way it works, unless you can find some way to avoid it. Has anybody ever avoided her? Not anybody who went to one of those little heavens. But if I find ceaseless ecstasy there, how could she tempt me away? It isn't ecstasy she tempts you with, Malcolm, but oblivion. Oblivion and the brief sanctity of the womb. Unless you learn to become and be without the qualifiers of experience, you will always, eventually, be drawn to that false oblivion but of course you'll be expelled even from there in short order to start over again helpless and at the mercy of another life only to end up back in the fog malcolm finished but i made it through this time sort of his soul reminded him well wouldn't it be easier to do that again now that i've done it once harder his soul assured him harder yes Because coming out of that heaven state, you'd be used to having anything you want, any time you want it. So you'd be born into circumstances resembling that condition. Wealth, fame, incredible beauty, all these things would be woven into that life, and you would learn none of the things that helped you get through this time. Amine would barely notice you when she took you. Kindling fire, Mal remembered her saying. Barely a flame at all his soul affirmed. Malcolm plopped down into the grass, laid back and looked up at the stars. His soul laid down beside him. Nothing's going to grow through us here, is it? Malcolm asked. No, those seeds are spent. But it's a very quick trip to heaven if one of those stars catches your eye. I'm not going, Malcolm said turning to his soul and leaning on his elbow. Where would I have gone? Or where would I have become if I'd gone straight upward? It's hard to put into words, but you'd either have become God or God would have become you. And what would have happened to you? Where you go, I go. Actually, the only thing that separates us is creature life. The longer you avoid it, the farther you get from it, the closer we become until we're one? One, and then everything. But you must stay focused. We're pretty much traveling uncharted waters. Nobody's ever gone this way before. Those who become go straight upward, and those who make it this far go to heaven. You, my friend, his soul said, throwing its arm around his shoulders, are truly taking the long way home. And though we haven't quite arrived yet, someone has made the journey back here to meet us. She will accompany you home. She? And what do you mean accompany me? What about you? Malcolm asked, sensing some kind of farewell in his soul's tone. I thought you said you go where I go. We could wait a bit longer, but I've decided it's been long enough. There is longing within one's soul also, Malcolm. I have endured it, but I can fulfill it now, and I shall. Listen to me when I speak to you and protect me with all your strength. With that, Malcolm's soul held out its arms, and those two hugged one last time. Alone now, made one by that final, permanent embrace, Malcolm looked out across the vast field under that starry sky. In the distance, he could see a figure making its way toward him. Malcolm thought to start walking toward the figure advancing on him, but he didn't. He was wary. His soul had said, She and his encounter with Amine had made that an unsettling, if not downright scary, word. After all, he thought, even during his life, all women had been Amine to one degree or another. They had all been entrenched in creature life, and would have had him focus on nothing else. It was why, in the end, he'd had so little to do with them. Now something female was crossing the plain toward him. He would stay on his guard— he would listen for his soul's voice. Dalliance of any nature was out of the question. Malcolm wasn't sure how much he was still influencing this place or being or whatever he was, but he'd take no chances. Fortunately, he'd embraced a tremendous amount of resolve because as soon as she entered his presence, half of it drifted away. Amine's unnerving beauty had been such that Malcolm hadn't noticed her resemblance to himself. The girl coming toward him, only a few yards away now, resembled Amine only in so much as she resembled Malcolm. She could have been his twin sister. He immediately wondered how anything could look so much like him and be so incredibly beautiful. Her hair was dark and loosely curled, with those same strawberry highlights that sparked. Her skin was smooth and powder-pale, and her eyes so dark they seemed to be all pupil, dilated to the outer edges of their irises. Stunned still by her presence, Malcolm didn't move as she marched right up to him and planted a kiss on his cheek. When he looked in her eyes, he thought he saw tears pooling there, but none fell. Malcolm started to say something, but the beautiful girl put a finger on his lips, hushing him. Then she grabbed his hand and began to run with him, back the way she'd come. Mao was amazed by the speed at which they were traveling. So fast, in fact, that the wind of their passing pushed any words he tried to form back down his throat. Everything was a blur of motion, even the stars. Faster and faster they ran until Malcolm felt as though he was moving too fast for all of himself to keep up. He felt stretched and enormous until suddenly a brilliant flash and a crack of thunder stopped them. "'stood them there, hand in hand, "'watching the stars roil and swirl in the black velvet sky. "'I didn't want to talk to you back there,' the beautiful girl said to him, "'her back arched as she looked up into that commotion of stars. "'Why not?' Malcolm asked, still a little muted by her beauty. "'According to your perspective, she might have spoken to you through me. "'We're moving much too fast now for her to catch your eye.' "'But we've stopped.' "'Mal pointed out. "'Oh, it would take some effort to stop now, "'at least as much as we put into getting this fast. "'Back there we were heavy and moving barely faster than gross matter. "'Haven't you noticed your light? "'You know, you and my soul deliver the most eloquent, "'incomprehensible explanations I've ever heard. "'But yes, I do feel light.' "'When he said that, Malcolm started floating, "'and would have floated away if the girl hadn't grabbed his foot.' Not yet, silly, she said as she pulled him back down. Where is there to go? But once she had Malcolm back on the ground, she said, I am Anime, but you have always called me Anna. I don't suppose you remember that, do you? I'm Malcolm, he began, trying to introduce herself. I know who you are, Malcolm, but I'll call you that for now. I have to ask you, Malcolm said hesitantly. You look so much like, well, me. I mean, who? Actually, I look like your soul. Well, of course, needless to say, but how? I mean, why? I am sister to your soul. At least that's the most eloquent way I can explain what is incomprehensible to you right now. I've missed you, Malcolm. From that moan you let out when you saw Amine nude, I'd say you've missed me too. Let's not go there, Malcolm said, his wariness kicking in again. For some reason, that seemed to sadden Anna. For some other reason, that saddened Malcolm. I'm sorry, he said, lightly touching her arm. I didn't mean to upset you. I just... It was just such a very intense situation with her. I almost lost everything. It saddens me that you were hurt so. Say... Malcolm said, changing the subject and trying to lighten the mood. Do those stars ever quit doing that? They look like a manic firefly convention. As soon as we choose our direction and continue on, they'll stop. Direction where? Your soul said you were stubborn. But if you insist on where, then let's go. Choose a direction, and we'll keep going straight. As soon as Malcolm and Anna began to walk, the stars settled down. Soon they were still as roads to heaven. Anna insisted they walk hand in hand. At first, Malcolm refused, but when he saw the pain on Anna's face, which she tried her best to hide, he surrendered his hand and averted his gaze from the beauty of her smile. Anna, what did you mean when you said Amina might have spoken to me through you? Amina is behind me, Malcolm. "'She is the shade of me. All light casts shadow. "'She is a part of me, like an echo is a part of your voice, "'like the light of the moon is part of the sun. "'I know you are wary of me, but if you fear me, "'it will be Amine that you fear. "'But she's back there in her forest, seducing the dead,' Malcolm insisted. "'That was death back there, Malcolm. Death itself.' It wore Amine like a mask. Death comes for you in the guise that will consume you. Amine is not death, but she would lead you there to keep you, and to keep you from me. Malcolm was having his own trouble keeping himself from Anna. There was no lust or consuming desire the way there had been throughout Amine's seduction, but Malcolm was becoming acutely aware of her hand in his. He felt as if his nerves were growing through his flesh entangling with hers. The delicate, feathered voice she spoke to him with calmed him like a whiff of opium. But something made him shy with her. The fact that Amine somehow belonged to her made him shyer. After what seemed like an inordinate silence, walking hand in hand across that unending, unchanging plain, Malcolm stopped abruptly and tugged Anna to a halt. So sudden was his decision to stop that Anna was jolted into his arms. When their eyes met, Malcolm felt a little more of his resolve slip away. I'm sorry, he said, though he did not release her, and she did not disentangle herself. Though he probably would not have admitted it at the time, Malcolm was starting to feel love, the kind you fall into. It surprised even him when he asked her, "'How incestuous would it be if I kissed you?' Anna laughed. "'You speak as though we were creatures. "'I can in no way resist you, Malcolm. "'I will always want exactly what you want. "'Likewise, I would never seduce you. "'You would have to call upon a for that. "'A mutual seduction, however, is corralling us right now. "'I am very unsure as to the wisdom of allowing that here.' "'Malcolm let her go, even her hand.' which had seemed almost to become his hand. Some sort of frustration was surfacing. He paced a bit beneath those stars, then once again faced Anna. "'You know,' he said to her, "'if this was a novel, I'd have to say our author was being just a tad neglectful of his setting. "'It seems like I've been on this grassy plain forever, "'less one brief trip into a feral forest. "'Isn't there any way off this never-ending football field?' Anna looked up at the stars, said, This is what you have chosen. As long as you insist on traveling towards somewhere, we will. Your choices remain the same. Keep going, or enter a star. First star to the right, Malcolm mumbled, beginning to pace once more. When he stopped his pacing, Malcolm took both of Anna's hands in his. If I let myself, he told her, I will fall completely in love with you. I know how dangerous that is in life, creature life, and I realize how brief such a state would have been with Aminae. But what about you? Could you go with me to heaven, and would we know happiness there? Joy, she answered, unceasing. But for how long? As long as we could maintain it. We could not become one there, though, she told him. Then she smiled a wicked little minx of a smile and looked at him through her fine dark lashes. But we would try very hard to get that close, very often. Together we could maintain heaven an incredibly long while. Until? Malcolm asked. I don't think we could endure forever apart, still separated, even though we were together apart. I don't know, Malcolm, but you must not tempt me with this much longer. It pulls at me, even now. What about Amine? he asked. Would she follow us there, as part of you? Of course, just as your shadow would accompany us. But it would take an enormous while for either to speak their first words. Eventually, however, I fear they would influence us. And we'd crawl back into creature life? You would, and we would be separated again. In life you would only know that vague dream of me, and the pain of our separation. We would be happy for an immense while, Malcolm, before that happened. Then we would be apart for an inestimable accumulation of time. What if we just checked one of those heavens out for a bit? Maybe we could get a free sample. Anna laughed, and the sound of it moved Malcolm. I could listen to you laugh forever, he told her. Almost forever, she corrected, binding her laughter into a perfect smile. "'But if we go, Malcolm, we would not be able to tear ourselves away again. "'There will be no samples, and we must stop speaking of this now. "'I am being taken by it. "'Oh, no, Malcolm, I am drawn!' "'As she spoke, Malcolm noticed a star directly overhead sparkle and grow, "'as if it was traveling toward them. "'The light it cast was brilliant white and washed over Anna "'until she, too, sparkled and glowed. "'As she rose, glittering into that shaft of starlight,' Malcolm felt the pull of her wake, not on him, but on something inside him. When she was almost gone into that star, Malcolm felt as if he was being torn apart. Then that tugging ceased, his soul stood before him, and Anna was gone. How did you manage that? his soul said, shaking its head. You have quite a talent for breaking dubious new ground. On his departure had more of an effect on Malcolm than he could quite comprehend. At first, he didn't even hear his soul, but kept staring into the star that had taken her. If you keep looking into that, you're going to go, his soul said, grabbing him by the shoulders. How you manage not to go is quite frankly beyond me. I hadn't made up my mind, Malcolm said, lowering his gaze to look at the face of his soul. Well, you obviously made up part of it because she's gone about being torn on a subject. How do I get her back? Malcolm asked, his voice sounding distant and strange even to him. Honestly, Malcolm, I don't even know how you could send her there without you. We have to get her back, Malcolm insisted, though his voice was growing as faint as he felt. Good grief, his soul answered. Of course we have to get her back, but how? Going to have to go there, Mal said letting his head rock back, looking for that purloining star. Oh, no, you don't. Not yet, his soul said, grabbing his head and forcing him to face it again. We're going to need some advice on this. There's no telling what condition we'll find her in, and once you're there with her, you're not going to want to leave. I don't see how you'd be able to leave. I'd say you'd just go do your stint in heaven, but I'm afraid you've probably mangled it pretty thoroughly. Mangled heaven? Malcolm asked. All to hell, his soul responded. Malcolm's soul sat him in the grass and spoke down to him. I'm going to request an audience with he himself, his soul told him. He himself? Do you mean God? Malcolm asked. Yes. The God? No. No. I don't think the God would be interested in this particular dilemma. God itself might be persuaded to help, but I think he himself is our best bet because he's almost always with she himself now. She himself? Sophia, the consort of God. You're losing me, Malcolm said as his head dropped his chin onto his chest. I know, come on. We're going to have to get a little bit faster if we want to discuss this with him. Malcolm didn't move. Something had drained him of all his strength. Great, his soul said, bending to pick him up. I should have known I'd end up carrying you at some point. Hopefully you'll be better once we're gone a little faster. Malcolm's soul ran with him in its arms, and those stars roiling again overhead. He barely even noticed when the two of them stretched out and exploded into their new speed. When his soul set him down into grass so green it was almost painful to look at, "'Mal found his strength somewhat restored. "'Please don't ask me where we are,' his soul said to him. "'He knows where you are,' came a booming voice very near to them. "'You're here. Where else could you be?' "'He's stubborn,' his soul said to he himself. "'After an equally booming draft of laughter, he himself said, "'Aren't we all?' "'Malcolm looked up at what he would have described if anyone had asked.' as Zeus, replete with robes, white hair, and plaited beard. He himself was an imposing figure. On his left, sitting very close to him on a love seat throne, was Sophia. As soon as Malcolm's eyes set themselves upon her, tears began streaming from them. Don't stare, his soul said softly to him. I'm sorry, Malcolm said, forcing himself to lower his gaze. It isn't that, his soul told him. Her beauty is simply too much for us in our present state. If you gaze too long, you might damage me. When he looked up again, Malcolm tried to keep Sophia confined to his peripheral vision, but his eyes kept finding her, whereupon his tears would again begin to flow. Finally, he himself said, Tone it down a bit, Sophia. You're wrecking havoc with the boy. Oh, Sophia said as if she'd only just noticed any of them. Is that me? My apologies. Malcolm stood mute, those tears still streaming, until by degrees her beauty was diminished to merely spectacular. Better? she asked as his tears ceased. I'll never forget, Malcolm said, still under her spell. Come here, she summoned. When Malcolm went immediately to her, she kissed him on the forehead, and the imprint of her magnificence, like sunspots on one's eyes, faded. Thank you, Malcolm sighed with relief. But I still won't forget that nothing is more beautiful than you. Sophia smiled and said, You've never seen a seraphim. But thank you. It's nice to be appreciated. So, he himself began, obviously getting down to business. It seems you've somehow managed to misplace your anime. "'Anna,' Malcolm said, his voice already pleading. "'Yes, you've always called her Anna, haven't you?' he himself chuckled. Then turning to Sophia, he said, "'How about if I call you Anna from now on, Sophie? Would you like that?' "'That would be fine,' Sophia told him. "'And I'll call you Cy.' After another thunderous laugh, he himself said, "'Would one spell that with a P, darling?' Yes, she said after a moment. I suppose one would. You know, he himself continued, his attention once more on Malcolm. You've done some extraordinary things lately. Death comes for you as your shadow, and you manage to resist. My soul helped me, Mal interrupted. Needless to say, he himself continued. But then you hop the fence and ignore the crossroads. After that, you continue on. But what truly amazes is that all this while, you're apparently trying to get somewhere. When he said that, Sophia produced an affectionate giggle and said, That's so cute. Maybe he just wanted to come see me. How could I not? Malcolm asked, bowing his head to her. Having seen you was worth all I've been through. Even losing your anime? He himself roared. Malcolm hung his head. Somehow being in the presence of Sophia was making the loss of Anna even more unbearable. But suddenly he lifted his head and stared straight into the eyes of he himself. "'What would you do if you lost Sophia?' he asked the Godhead. For a moment he himself was silent, and Malcolm wondered if the question had silenced him, or the impudence of the questioner. Then that bellowing laughter sang out again. "'What would I do if I lost you, Sophia?' he asked. Sophia looked at Malcolm and smiled. It felt like sunshine on his face and he could feel those tears coming again. You'd do anything, everything to get me back, she said. You would tear down creation. I fear for all that is should you ever lose me. I can't tear down creation, Malcolm said softly. I'm not so sure, he himself said. So please refrain from trying. Anyway, I think in this case you simply need to go get her. The star she rides is overhead. Malcolm's soul had pretty much been keeping a low profile, but at this point it spoke out. But, sir, that heaven has been disturbed, is disturbed. It's likely to be hell up there, and even if it isn't, how would he get back out? You're a pushy sort of a soul, aren't you? he himself grumbled. But Sophia, placing her hand on his cheek, subdued him. They're looking after one another, dear, she said softly. They've lost their anime, more than likely while trying to come visit us. Help them without restraint. Command the universe, I insist. Wouldn't you rather see him save her himself? He asked Sophia. Yes, actually, I would like to see that. But help him, I insist. With that, Sophia and he himself locked eyes and smiled deeply at one another. "'You really are stunning,' he himself said, even diminished like this. "'You really wear it well. "'You're not so bad yourself. "'Why don't you come up and see me sometime?' Both of them found that extremely funny and laughed for at least a full minute. Malcolm looked at his soul, who shook its head. Finally, he himself said, "'I will give you God's speed.' to which Sophia daintily applauded. Now go. The lady Sophia has plans for me. What plans? Sophia asked. You have no plans? No, but I'll think of something. Once more the two of them laughed together, but this time their laughter seemed to carry them away, or carry Mal and his soul away. Either way, Malcolm and his soul were alone once again. Well... Malcolm told his soul. I guess that's pretty much that. I'm just going to have to go and take my chances. How do you feel? His soul asked them. I feel fine. You don't feel any different? His soul pressed. Should I? He himself said he was giving you God's speed. I think that just means good luck or something, Malcolm told his soul. I don't think he himself would wish you good luck. He's given you something. What? Malcolm asked. I'm not sure, but if God's speed is what I think it is, and things get dicey up there, send yourself for help. What? Malcolm asked, confused. Aren't you coming with me? I'll be with you, but I might be sleepy if heaven is very disturbed. Now, quickly, come here. Your star is coming for you. Malcolm looked up as his soul slipped in just beneath his awareness. The shaft of light that took them both blinded Malcolm's consciousness and it fled. Join us online at www.ndstories.com to comment on this or any of our other stories or send email to feedback at ndstories.com Nil Desperandum is a production of the Bear Crawling Nation edited and published by Jim Phillips, engineered and produced by Charles McFall and is released under a Creative Commons Attributions Non-Commercial No Derivatives License